0: The Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick making the energy requirements for your home business or farm more affordable visit solarchoices.ie
1: <laughs>
2: Carroll Haggerty right, tries to
1: get a calibre. Carroll Haggerty with a swing and a hurley. The crowd
2: will
0: roar this one over. The man from St Patrick puts it over, and it's two tenth to fourteen. Three or over, limerick. Yeah, I'm shaking my head. I say no, down in that because uh, what a mentality to have. Uh, most teams we didn't bury. buried. Imagine a goal. Uh, Kilkenny looked really up after the goal. Limerick to responding with three points.
2: That stood up all over the field. Some you know, of our forwards there were immense. Peter was unbelievable that And the first thing we got on top of their puck out, which was a big thing. Had a little bit of a breeze with us and you know, really got on top of their puck out and started winning ball there. Now we're half back line and you know, driving forward and getting good ball into the wise inside And you know, they, they finished off the wizard, to be fair to them.
1: Oh, quick ball taken. Long ball delivered by Jammer Burns. Oh, 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 Pick three. And oh over the bar from play from Timur Burns and he bats the Hurley and points to John Kiley and Limerick now 20 points to 21 in front
0: you can talk about the game of Hurley tactically changing all this kind of talk all time it comes very simple Limerick's oh, half-back line
3: are totally oh, dominant spinning around he goes out towards Aaron Gillan. says I'll have a shot from here I'll tell you one thing if this was over the
1: bar oh. well over the bar it goes and the sides are level at two ten to 16 what a score from Aaron Galland. what a response from Limerick Phenomenal!
2: for sure this year there's been, there's been no easy game part of every game we've we've had to deal with setbacks and there was no difference yesterday again when that goal went in don't get me wrong part, part of me was thinking oh is this not going to be our day is it Kenny's day but it's just the way we all stuck to our, our process and the, the, the scores forwards were getting there towards the end it seemed everything they hit was just going over the bar and it just felt then for the last 15 minutes that was one of those days all that outside talk whatever other people are saying leave them at it like you know we go into training there three or four nights a week and that's solely our focus but no, the injuries did rock you a bit now, and like I remember the night they told us about Richie doing the knee. It was generally just so upsetting, like, and I felt so bad for him because I said for Richie to be swinging out of each other and training three days a week.
1: Out in front again, of Tommy Watts, Casey from away out in the far side, the left hand side, the eye is in. This is it going over the bar. Oh, what a score from Peter Casey! Five, four points for Casey. They are now six in front. Ball down on top of Colony. Wins the puck up. Breaks away from his man. Advance has been played towards David Reedy from the far side. Underneath the Cusick stand, And over the black spot. Soak it in. What a score! By David Reedy. 28 points to 214. Still trying to move away. Colony tries to get the score now Carl O'Neill towards the canal into the goal oh, what a score by Carl O'Neill oh my seven points in front that is glorious
2: hurling I still have to pinch myself sometimes to, to believe it yeah like growing up you're always going to finals with Cork to Kenny tip and to be in it now playing with, playing with Limerick your own county is uh, it's, just, it's just unreal you can see the boost it's given to all the kids the whole county and it's long may it continue hopefully there's another few minutes
1: so we're down no, no, it's
3: Here we are, All-Ireland Champions 2023. Limerick have done it. They've pulled off the four in a row. You're very welcome along to the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick. Myself, Luke Liddy, joined by James Ryan and Live95 Studios. And Jim Bob, all those months ago... When we recorded our first sideline cut podcast, this is where we wanted to be. Come the end of July, reflecting on more magnificence, more brilliance from our Limer Curling heroes, and they didn't disappoint. Championi, champion, champion.
0: <laughs> no, um, look, a good piece there to start, and uh, I, I honestly didn't realise all the mo- oh my god, uh, all the moments was. Um, but I'll just tell you what the way the game was. Um, look, I, I suppose the first thing we have to talk about is the. Is, is the range of scores they have like going on in that piece and just thinking back of periods of the game and a lot of them scores came in the last 20 minutes if not even the last 10 and it it like we weren't getting excited the fact that it was the end of an Ireland final and they were putting a we're now getting excited at the standard of the scores. I remember um TJ Reed actually took a shot at, at, in in the first half. Um, Kilkenny were kind of maybe a bit in top, whatever. He he probably shouldn't have took it on, he should have laid it off, but he hit it out over his shoulder. And he wasn't far off now, but it, I remember saying a commentary it would have been one of the greatest scores I've ever seen Cork pack. Little did I think I was gonna see eight or nine of the greatest scores I ever saw in Craw Park after them. But look, it the one thing about a team winning in All Ireland and people like the whole country has to realise it like it wasn't just uh, oh they got a run and this happens we see him doing it time after time in the months of championship or the All-Iron championship or in the last six years especially actually the last four years you have to say that they're they're starting to score out in the sideline more. They're actually starting to score from further out. Like, um, they showed a picture of Dermot Barnes there for the, the quick free he got off Higgerty. Higarty. Uh, we barely we barely um, got even time to talk about it and in commentary. It was done so quick. Well, I don't know what we were watching. And uh, Dermot Barnes hit it from um, behind his own 45 and they're saying like over 100 metres, whatever. So, um, so I'll just tell you how strong the wind was. First of all, I know he's a serious strike of the ball, but... Like if if you to do a graph, I like to do in soccer, rugby, hurling, football even. If you do a graph and show where Limerick scores are and the range and how far back it is and how wide the scores are. Like Colonel um, Kyle Hayes getting one over and the uh, Cusack extend sideline, uh, Peter Casey getting two straight in front of us and the Hogan Stand sideline. So like we see it there in football, they're bringing people back, they're filtering people back, defensive systems and that. But it's very hard to crowd and clutter up and and defend a, a section if. If the teams are able to score on the sidelines, and also then you have to watch the, the quick ball into maybe Aaron Galan inside, and then obviously they can flick a ball back to Dermot Burns, he can score from 100 metres. So, um, look, it was just amazing stuff. Uh, I know I went on about the range and scores and selection there, but just to, the fact you go up there, um, like I suppose we probably have to admit we probably got it a small bit. Well, I, sorry, I probably got it a small bit wrong saying it was going to be so tight to be fair, um, but nobody could see that last uh, ten minutes and they just the total dominance that, that went on. But saying that, uh, I went into the court park hotel after leaving you. My voice is a bit hoarse. I had to go in for a pint. I wasn't driving down home and uh, they had the game. They were showing the game again and I couldn't get over. And uh, maybe it was the excitement doing the commentary and, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat talking the last couple of days. I couldn't believe sixty two minutes there was still only two points in the clock. So um now look to find that ten minutes um like, or to be able to power on in that last 10 minutes like that. And it wasn't as if we brought on a load of subs and brought in an ejection of pace or anything like that. But, I, like, I suppose, like, it's easy to say again. I know I'm always talking, like, punditry in hindsight. But you could see it coming. The gap was starting to come. They were starting to flow. Kilkenny were fighting on their backs nearly for the 15 minutes before that to not let the floodgates open. But, um, just just outrageous stuff. Um... And again, look, we have to comment. Maybe this whole pod, the last one after doing four in a row is going to be a bit like it. But the joy, the elation that uh, this team are giving Limerick as, as a city, even non-GA people living in my local parish are all over the city. It's it's just it's just amazing. And it give you great pride I'm proud of where you're from and green and white everywhere. But uh, even like the fact, that, like I remember Kilkenny going up for three and four in a row and, and they were winning multiple ones. And they're probably wasn't the same hype. But see, we we still only have 12 titles and it's still new to us and the whole lot. But um, I don't actually think the players even realise the joy. I think when you're in that bubble, we say it's great in terms of uh, playing that they stay in this bubble and the whole lot. But when you win an All-Ireland and things like that, you like they were down on the train straight away, they were inside in their own carriage, they went down to the woodlands, they are in their own bubble. I don't think they realise... I suppose they saw it the next day with the crowd at the homecoming and all that. I suppose they do see things like that, but... Just the Crawl Park Hotel and the traffic and the way down and the horn be the beep and the horns going on in Port Leash was something crazy. I'd say if they could find <laughs> Limerick County council or someone for it, they would. But no, great day, great day, and uh, what else can we say? on the unbelievable stuff.
3: You mentioned the the joy and the the lifting of the spirits and everyone going around with with smiles on their faces. They they called it the Kilkenny Bank Holiday, didn't they? <laughs> After the All Ireland for so long, it's the it's the Limerick Bank Holiday now, but just described that out in bouncer territory everyone rightly bouncing around the place with, with joy for this Limerick team
0: Ah yeah I think um, obviously the city is obviously bouncing along there and um, the players are in around the city and the cup obviously came into Patrick's well and the homecoming was on there after being inside in Limerick City uh, the day before but like look I live in a small little village out in rural, rural Limerick like and it's, it's, we like to consider ourselves a nice little hurling village and, and both Bears in the in, in the parish were absolutely bouncing and I'm sure it was the same everywhere else and um, I don't think Michael Maloney ever got played as much in, in in all his time, I didn't actually know him before it and uh, uh, I know nearly half the song now at this stage and uh, obviously Dreams and Sean South and, and Limerick Your Lady and all the songs you nearly associate with, I don't know, Limerick and its culture and all that kind of thing so um, look, we're, we're all starting to, to know the teams but I just think it's gas there, you're, you're the one thing I, like, uh, every team faces the same things. Like, so, like, Dan Morrissey said, you know, that they, they faced a lot of setbacks this year. Like, you know, the biggest difference is, like, every team faced setbacks. Like, um, like uh, Galway losing to Lins the Linsta final this year. That was a massive setback. I don't think they recovered from it. Tipperary losing to Waterford that time. That was a huge setback. I but I suppose the biggest thing, and I, I think uh, even Aaron... Um, said it as well in his little interview there the, the negative talk towards the team the whole time and that feeling, I suppose the reason why they probably feel the pressure more so than anyone, like what I'm saying is the time we were playing, like we were getting the same negative talk and setbacks but it's only around town and people forget about it very quick but it's the whole na- the whole country that's talking about Limerick and there and national papers and it's a total different pressure um, that comes with it but uh, even that fact that they're able to to take that pressure on um, and nearly use it like we always complimented the Kilkenny team I know there's a lot of comparisons going on but they're the last team to win that amount of multiple all Ireland's but they used to be able to get motivation from the smallest little things and um like it's strange enough that they, they actually had less to play for this year kind of for row now next year, not to be talking about and enjoy this year for a row, but they actually have motivation straight away, whether it'll go farm against them, that's all maybe a bit down the line, but they actually have more motivation straight away going into next year because it's a chance to be immortalised into history and all this kind of talk. So yeah, it's very interesting, um the whole thing. But look, I suppose to look at the game as a whole. Um, and, we said it in, in the uh, and we said it in the post-match interview and we said it in the pre-match interview as well. We we saw the Galway goalie having serious troubles in the second half with the puck outs. And uh, it nearly went the very same way as as the um, the, the All-Ireland semi-final against Galway. And, and little did I think that. Um, I suppose even just to talk about Kilkenny for a minute. I, I said here I, I, on the pod and it's still kind of scratching my head. I suppose a lot of people are like saying... Oh my God, it's unbelievable and, and the puck and the whole lot. But from a Kikini perspective, just talk for a minute or two from it, I thought uh, TJ Reed and William O'Donoghue was going to be a massive um, tactical battle because he would the experience, he mightn't have the legs. William O'Donoghue has physicality in the whole lot. Not used to playing centre-back. Now, played the club, but I'm just saying county and filling in that role. It's not easy to go back in line and things like that. And like, when O'Murphy Murphy was struggling to hit the ball out for so long in that second half... I just thought they might go back to what they done in 2019. Like, if something new isn't working for you, you're trying to hit the ball down one on one with Darren Barnes and one on one with Kyle Hayes. It wasn't working. I just don't understand how they didn't, number one, hit TJ Reid with a few more puck because we know how good he is in there. People are, like, even when people are talking to me, maybe in a negative, ah, TJ reed has gone. They, they, they always say his legs are gone. They don't say his hands are gone. So hit the ball down top of his head and see how he goes on. And, like, in 2019. Uh, Kilkenny's tactic was very simple to just hit ball after ball after ball down on top of uh, TJ Reid and Declan Hen. And if it broke, the Kilkenny lads were in. And they just, I don't know, I, I think TJ Reid only got one puck out on top of him the whole match. Uh, he didn't really play that kind of in that half hour line much, kind of on, on William O'Donnell. But anyway, that's just, that's just um, hindsight on their part. But. Um, as Nicky said there, I think he totally underestimated the fact that uh, they got in terms with the puck out they absolutely annihilated the puck out and um even that, that piece that I said there, and there is a lot of like sharp puck outs and this and that, but Hurland still comes down to you have to your wall is that half back line, and by God like 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 even to give William a he's probably. I led that he didn't probably get that much credit in comparison to others and forwards, I was, I'd like to go back in there, slip back in there with Declan and Helen gone and, and it was actually only watching the highlights and a bit of the match afterwards I realised how solid and how good he actually played and uh, he certainly didn't weaken week that, week that half-back line by any means. So, uh, no, the three boys were mince when it came to the long puck outs They just... And that's your platform. Um anyone who ever played hurling in anywhere position, if you're half backlined winning the match, it's three quarters of the battle and you can just they're laying off ball and they're getting everyone into place. So, um yeah, I suppose that's just the match. And I suppose we have to mention as well, the last thing is uh keen speech and the fact like uh, little did we think we were there last year, we were standing near enough in the same spot and we we're saying like, Oh, isn't it nice now that Declan brought Keane up who was nearly a kind of a gesture little did we think it'd be the other way around and um Look, I I just think as well to beat this Limerick team I think Keane summed it up they're not a team they're a family, and I think you can only create that family thing as well by winning. But uh, no, they certainly are a tight unit. And um, have I proof for that? Just watch the way they play, and watch the way they play for each other. So um, no, in fairness, he gave a good speech. I'd be often uh, slagging him about his fashion and his uh, ankle bends and wrist bends and everything else going on. But no, he he spoke well, now and uh, I thought he was a mince as well, taking absolutely nothing away. They're all saying Peter Casey, Darren Burns, man, I totally I agree with everyone because I think it's all positive talk to all that. But uh, Keane was a mince. Um, when the team needed a, a man to stand up there in the first half. And uh, look, the other thing as well is like hurling more so than any other game, sometimes the ball breaks away or you make the right run and the whole lot and Keane just made a lovely run there off David Reedy for the first point he made a lovely run off Aaron Gland in near the end and Aaron again had the team play just to pop it off to him um, and I think that's another thing like there's so many different aspects this Limerick team how would you beat him uh, I don't think one Limerick person now at the end it was easy they were all just taking shots because it didn't matter they were all going over the bar and that happens too but now one Limerick person Took a shot or done a done something where there was a better man in a better position. The ball was always laid off, and when a team is like that again, the last team we compliment like that. Well, Dublin football is that, but from a hurling context, is that Kilkenny team again? And the man, in the best position gets the ball, and like I thought, it was very very interesting. I think this sums up the team. Luke is that uh, man said to me like you that that point, Keen second point. Aaron Glenn, and we're going to talk about it in a while, going for hurler of the year and the whole lot. And don't tell me years ago, our or, or definitely p- team's gone out now and it'll happen again. I can guarantee it'll happen again. Players going for these accolades and the whole lot, it's in their head. And if you were inside full forward, like Aaron Glenn, was, he oh, I'm full forward. You know, he had a chance of a shot. More than likely, he could put it over His eyes closed. He kind of, you or stepped. He definitely had room to take the shot. We've seen him doing it time and time again. But Keane ran off his shoulder. The ball was given to the men a better position. It was more important to win the match than any accolade and that's any team with that attitude or you have to have that attitude. I would suspect not know much about but you have to have that mentality that attitude to win four in a row and to be where they are and it's just little things I'm after saying there and you add all them one percents up and you've, you've a lot of percent.
3: When they came out after the break we did say the third quarter Limerick always target this third quarter they're always strong in the third quarter and they did come out strong but Kilkenny got that goal, that Paddy Deegan goal, and you maybe start to think, oh, these boys have done their homework on Limerick and they're trying to stop this third quarter flow. But the manner in which Limerick turned it around after that, hit the next three points to cancel out the goal within a couple of minutes, hit the next couple of points after that, got their noses in front and, and never let up, it's, it's ruthless at the moment and you'd have to think with with everything that's that's been thrown at limerick and teams going back that bit earlier to try and deal with them in in munster and maybe not taking the league as serious it has to be deflating for every single other county that the kitchen sink was thrown at limerick this year throughout munster and obviously into the all ireland series and still it's the it's the same outcome this that, that everyone thought it was going to be at the start of the year
0: yeah like um like there's a couple of i suppose answers or theories behind this um Number one, I suppose, like, are we giving the team itself enough credit in the first half? Like, even take the All Ireland final for an example, and it went out, it went on all over um the year, even the first match against Waterford all the way to the All Ireland final. Um, teams are putting everything in to that first half to to compete with Limerick and the. Like, I thought it was very interesting, like, even Mike Kavanagh was saying up for the match, whatever, that Limerick have been behind in very few All-Ireland finals. So, maybe a lot of teams have this thing. You have to get ahead. Do you know when teams get this point and, it, like, I'm sure any sports psychologists tell you it's not a great idea. Oh, you have to get ahead of him early and stay ahead of him. Like, that can be... Detrimental if you are ahead ahead and next thing they take the lead, which happened, I suppose, in the Ireland final. Then when they get ahead, you're like they're ahead now and they just power on. But um, like taking the first half, and we talk about this third quarter. Um, I don't think we're wrong in anything we say, but if I think the first thing we have to say, and I I think personally made the mistake in the first half commentary, I that um, Kilkenny's work rate was so immense it it would have made any team look poor enough, especially playing against that kind of a wind in the first half Um, like we were just going on Limerick only had nine points scored, Um, like they didn't make many mistakes even, it was just pure intensity attacked. tackling, Kilkenny had two or three men around uh, Limerick player every time and we even said you could not keep that going, there's no way, I don't even think a professional team with all their fitness and all that can keep that going at that intensity for that long so like, we talk about the third quarter, like we're not giving Limerick enough credit how they can weather the storm and that kind of talk in whatever half they're playing. Even Waterford like just throwing the kitchen sink, as I said, at a team and they're nearly gone in um, deflated like a massive thing there. Uh, I think Limerick got, um, I don't really, I think it was two or three uh, points just before halftime. I can tell you now because <laughs> it's happened to me Club County a lot of teams have been wrong dim two or three points just before half time you feel like you've a six point lead which can feel massive and next thing it's been shrinked to two points for you win it it can just deflate you You're like all oh, that hard work and we're only two points ahead playing against the wind and like we nearly use this talk too much as well oh a we win never won a game for anyone it certainly helps like it, I'd rather go out in the second half with the wind if they're saying a wind never won again than going against it and I I think Kilkenny knew I think like even if you take Paddy Deegan's goal as a kind of an example of it I think they knew they had to do something and they knew they were under pressure and the goal but like the other thing, thing then about the goal like is when I seen that goal go in and I remember saying on commentary and be thinking about this afterwards the goal went in and uh, if I go back to the 2018 uh, all Ireland quarter final. Uh, Richie Hogan, I think, got the goal uh, in in seventy seventy first minute. It was around maybe it was sixty nine seventy first minute. in near the end of the game anyway, and it put Kilkenny a pint up, and Limerick had all the hurling done in twenty eighteen. And I couldn't get over. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Limerick's body language. Uh, they were just all out hit up. It was as if nothing it was if the ball went wide their body language was straight up Let's and uh, obviously that uh, Tom Morrissey got a great score and they ended up winning the game Um and not many teams had done that to Kikini back in 2018 I can tell you that to come back and when they get the, the sucker punch of a, a goal near the end but when Paddy Deegan got that goal like I, I, I suppose part of my job doing the commentary I took a quick look around and Limerick's body language like a few of them had their head down they were dragging the hurley and I was there going this could not be polar opposite but again, body language is only one thing. What was going on in the head? Why are we giving Caroline Corrid or even the team's mentality so much credit? All that was going on is they were looking down, getting their focus back. I don't know what they were saying to you, but I, it was obviously not the negative thoughts that I thought was going on. It was like, right, we need to get ourselves into the game. But then you're going on about the third quarter. And my second point towards it is we have to complement the setup, whether it be the, the nucleus of the team, or, or to set up just to have the confidence to stick to the process. And like, we we talk about process the whole time and what's this process and thing and all that. Like in both, like they nearly don't even change it much now, the game plan. Game plan is very simple. The half-hour line come out, Limerick play with a triangle inside, one on top, and then it's about how good we can get the ball in front of Galen if he's inside there on his own, or if they're playing two inside, like in second half, Peter Casey. And, and and then it's the other team are in... um. A kind of dilemma, and the whole country is trying to sort this dilemma. Uh, do you follow Limerick's half hard line? Um, I heard Joe Canning saying it on, on commentary there that you have to follow Limerick's half hard line, and I agreed to him, agreed with him for a certain amount of time. But if you follow Limerick's half hard line, what are you leaving in behind them? A lot of space. We're on about like Owen oh, Murphy's puck. I no puck out's different; it's set play. But you your half-back line is your wall whether that's just the way Hurland's set up even if you put a load them back there and if you follow Limerick's half-hour line you're leaving a whole load of space there for Peter Casey for Aaron Glenn to do their stuff so um, but it, it's not even that it, it's right there. obviously sports psychology. Like you can see that the winning mentality the whole lot it's been instilled there in the last 5-6 years right but like it's all fine and well me and you go out and we take over Ramble Rovers whoever they are GA Club um, tomorrow And we have a plan in place. It's all fine and well, me and you having the plan. But the players need to know the plan and then the players need to buy into the plan and then the players need to know how to... um, go through the plan and then they need to know in certain situations what do you do with that plan and everything I'm after saying there Limerick are able to do and we're going to see teams and we saw it in football over the time we saw it. Donegal came on one year with this in 2011 before they won the All-Ireland in 2012 they came in with this unbelievable defensive system and teams will try this over the years it's a good example of half known a game plan do all that. So Donegal put a load of people behind the ball in football. Next thing they won the ball defensively and they didn't know how to score. Jim McGinnis and all had to go back and find a scoring system in the following year, which eventually they got and they worked on the game plan. But the first thing you need is player buy-in and I think Keene summed it up there, it's not a team you're dealing with now. It's a family where like you played a clip last week about everyone know your job and didn't do your job it was know your job. They all have full belief, and I suppose when it happens, and you go out, and every time it works, you you, the more it works, the more you buy into it, the harder you are to beat, and the better that game plan goes. So, um, I think the third quarter as well, like to use the term of a a boxing match, is it a bit of rope it up? Like it's just they they just go through their 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 game plan, they stay at the intensity, and next thing the other team have them up by the ropes and the whole lot, and next thing they just kind of come out and they have all this energy left, all this intensity, all this belief, and the other team is just out of it. It's it's very same as a rope-a-dope analogy. I just think that, that's what happened Kilkenny and happened Galway and happened a few teams this year in, in the championship.
3: Yeah, I want to talk about um, Aaron Galan as well because obviously missed the the start of the season and and the season He was with Creve Celtic out in the Desmond League, banging in goals and the talk all over the town, all over the nation was when will when will we see Aaron Galan? Will we see Aaron Galan? Well, he scored one seven in the National League final against Kilkenny to to help Limerick to that title. The Munster Championship, then one thirty six, one twelve of that from play in the All Ireland series two eleven. from play there so he's had an absolutely remarkable season and I don't want to to peg him into just the scoring records either because he offers so much to this team other than uh, than scoring he occupies the space defenders and look uh, the full back lines have to worry about Aaron Galan before they worry about anyone else but uh, I spoke to Aaron Galan out at the Woodlands House Hotel after the uh, famous All-Ireland win against Kilkenny
2: Um, In terms of injuries yeah in terms of all that other stuff that you said there I set is kind of a bit nonsense to be honest Um, like all that outside talk whatever other people are saying leave them at it like you know we go into training there three or four nights a week and that's solely our focus Um, but no the injuries they rock you a bit now and like I remember the night they told us about Richie doing the knee it was generally just so upsetting, like, and I felt so bad for him because myself and Richie to be swinging out of each other and training three days a week, you know, so, like, it would annoy you at the time when you're marking him, but it's only better for two of us, but you would miss him there for the last week, so and I just genuinely feel so sorry for him, you know, and, um, I suppose trying to keep a, br- a brave face over the last couple of weeks, and they did that and giving little nuggets of information to everyone, so fair play to him, you know, hats off to the legs.
3: Hurler of the year, you're, you're not going to talk about it. You don't talk about the the individual accolades, do you? Or is it something in the back of your mind? It would be another Patrick Swell, man, three men in a row. Well, sure, look, as
2: I was saying to the lads there, it's nothing to do with me, so no point wasting my energy thinking about it. You know, it's not going to make any difference at all. So. No, we'll enjoy the next couple of days, in and then in. I suppose stuff's down and get
3: back again with Patrick Swell. Something to look forward to. Yeah, he's already looking forward to club action, Jim Bob. But the, the Sunday game, I didn't see it myself. I haven't even seen the, the game back. It's just been kind of one of those weeks. I hope to now when, when the dust really does settle, uh, delve into a bit more of it. But they picked Kyle Hayes, I think, as their hurler of the year on, on the Sunday game. And I wouldn't take anything away from Kyle Hayes. An absolutely remarkable season. But I do think this that Aaron Galan does get the, the nod for hurler of the year this year. And what I mentioned there, to have three consecutive hurlers of the year from the same club. Remarkable. But just, I think what Aaron Galan has brought all season long ha- has really, really helped this Limerick side throughout, as I said, all three of those competitions.
0: Yeah. Well, before answering your question, I, I think Creve Celtic are going to get uh, every uh, GA player in the country doing pre-season with him. If they-, they can reduce his periodization, his work rate and talent like that, but uh also, as well, look, Aaron. There, its guest listen to all the interviews with John. no insult to you, Luke, but they're all getting very good at media training and pawning you off. If you don't mind me yeah. saying, just be, saying the bare minimum. It and, helps when an idiot is interviewing <laughs> you. Get around. No, them. but like it's it's like uh, look, if we used to compliment Brian Cody and he used to bring uh, Brian Hogan out, and Brian Hogan would be ten minutes talking, he could have said nothing. Like so, maybe that look, they're maybe there's bit of talent in that as well. But look, I I, I to be very careful in kind of saying uh, things like, uh, oh, I knew that before and I could see that happening, whatever. But I have been saying it and even the lads at home who tell me I'm constantly wrong on this would agree with me, I hope, that uh, Aaron Gillan, I would feel, hasn't got the credit he deserved in the last couple of years. Um, there was a year or two there, I, I can't remember now because all the years get mixed up in, in in my head. They kind of scramble up when there's so many. Um, There was one year there and if not two, he didn't even win an All-Star and I just thought... Personally I thought some of his performances were outstanding. I think he's it's rare. He's um he, he has a bad game. He he's he, look to me, um I know Peter Casey the other day five points from play and like uh put Jensen forward, he's unbelievable but like to me, Aaron Gillan is your star forward. I think he's your um main man. And the reason I say that is he's your target man, he's your free taker, you can hit the ball in high. Uh like Look, I'm only guessing a percentage, but would it be safe to say 70-80% of our goals this year have came out of Aaron Glenn, gone up, catching the ball, and either laying it off or putting in the back of the net himself?
3: Yeah, he set up a fair few for Flanagan, unbelievable, I
0: think. It... Unbelievable. And that's not just this year. Do you know, like, so... And, like, then people would argue the fact, and maybe it's a fair enough argument, that hurler of the year, maybe at the moment, it isn't about one year. They nearly pick a consistent player. Sure, he's still in line for that as well. And, and... I'm not taking anything away, we'll talk about Kyle Hayes in a minute, but um they often give it to a forward as well. Like so um most of the time the forward will get it. They're that big hurling argument is it easier to be a forward or a back or whatever. But uh no look, um Bear Bear, um Aaron Glenn, they are as you said, not playing to start of the year. I don't think they've any I, I, I just think that they can't have any reason not to give it to him. He's just been so good. There's been so many moments. And and also on that, like there's always a moment nearly of the year where it just kind of stands out or stay in your head. And for some reason that goal where he caught over Dahi Bork, it just kind of straight away comes into your head uh with Aaron Glandis just cut over his head and put in the back of the net before he even knew what happened. So um but again we're becoming accustomed to that. So yeah, look, um there's gonna be a couple of contenders and and the reason why like uh it's a bit like man the match for the all on the final as well. Like, everyone's entitled to their opinion or their view, and I suppose the most consistent one, or who agrees the most, or whoever is it, the journalists and all that pick it, but uh, his name is knocking around there for good reason, and he's probably the bookie's favourite. And uh, and like Kyle Hayes winning the Sunday game, and I'm delighted that he did win that one as well, because I don't, look, he's another man. I mean, The man was unbelievable. Like, with Don Peter Case, Darren Burns, and uh, Keen Lynch are the three names that were being named around there most on social media, or Lazo and Tanta. Kyle Hayes like sometimes now a lot of these players Luke are are being rated off their own average and their own average is very very high like Kyle Hayes just is so consistent now at the moment the man nearly needs to maybe come down from the helicopter JP's helicopter in a Superman cape nearly to get man to match now because he's like he's just up and down that wing and just doing his thing of wing back winging winning puck outs and scoring points and so, um, yeah, look, you can see how they picked him. But, look, there's many other Limerick players there as well that they could have picked. But, uh, no, Aaron Glenn, it's, it's just good that he's finally getting the recognition uh, this year to even be named Huller of the year. And I know he didn't say it there or whatever, like, but I presume he must be, like, at the end of the day, like no matter who you are, everyone has an ego. Like Brian Cody used to always talk about ego. and It's about controlling your ego, and he certainly has it in tune. I think all that Limerick team have and all that, but... Obviously, like you have to have a bit of belief, or you have to be a little bit individual as well. Like we're compliment Darren Glenn and passing off that ball, but like Darren Barnes wins hurler of the year from from his club alone, and then Keen Lynch wins it, and we're talking about three unbelievable. He's kind of thinking, "Do I like did, it was that?" And he's, "I need to up at five percent here." Like there was a great story about Paul Galvin, Gal, Galvin from Kerry there a couple of years ago, where he just got into said it start of the year, "I ain't going to win football of the year," and like people didn't say, "Oh, that's not very team thinking the like, whole to me, you have to be your best out in the field. Obviously, with a team mindset, but you have to be like, I'm going to try and be the best man out in the field today for the team, if you put that little bit at the end. And I think a little bit of that was in Aaron Glenn this year, and, and I think that's a healthy thing to have in that. Um, uh, If you strive to win the Immacoleds, but as I said, laying off the balls in the right position, the whole lot, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and the man was outstanding, and how fit it would be that all three of them um, have Huller of the Year from the one club like amazing stuff I suppose Belly Hale probably have it done over the, the years more than likely. they weren't far off it but it, it, there isn't too many other clubs to have
3: I was watching something I can't remember what it was on but there was a debate about, about All-Stars and there was uh, taking nothing away from, from Hugh Lawler with Kilkenny because I think he had a great game on Aaron Galan and he's a terrific player but there was kind of a debate uh, between himself and Dan Marcy at fullback and I'm kind of looking at Aaron Galan. Obviously, I think is the is the outright contender for for hurler of the year. I don't think Dan Morrissey is too far off him. The role that he played this year for for Limerick so crucial, getting us out of danger, a calming presence on the on the ball as well. You can add to that William O'Donoghue remarkable job in, in midfield throughout the championship to transition to take over from probably one of the best centre-backs to ever play the game in Declan Hannon and our captain the job he did there Darrow Donovan in the latter stages of the championship as well the work rate the the vision, everything that he's put in Kyle Hayes we mentioned already Kyle Hayes I think speaks for himself in, in what he's done over the last number of years and, and Tom Morrissey as well I think when when the side were maybe stuttering in the Munster Championship, Tom Morrissey was that constant, wasn't he? That that he throw over three or four points from play over the bar, he would take the game by the scruff of the neck. So, uh, like this Limerick team, are a group, aren't they? You talk about the individual accolades, but there's definitely a, a number of players that that could put their hand up.
0: Yeah, look, it goes back there. What year did they win fourteen? Was it how many All Stars? Twelve, did they win? 12, I think 12 out of and uh, you, you could have argued for the other three and um, actually most years there there was kind of uh, one person kind of coming out was it between Peter Casey and Graham there and either one of them could have started and um, I suppose with the injuries this year they nearly had a solid 15 from the fourth round of the month's championship to the month's final semi-final final you could nearly name the team because obviously Deccan was out then and Dave Reed ended up going in so um, yeah look I, I just think that the fact I I, I think you could say this about any team that wins four in a row all-Irelands obviously they just have so many players so many outstanding players and look the proof is in the pudding when you win four or if you win five All-Irelands in six years well that means that you have minimum eight or nine but probably twelve or thirteen of the best players in the country and uh Look, not they all can't be good every day. Like compared to their their standard good, but um, just different people coming up at different times, and that's just the nature of sport and the nature of hurling. We said the ball break in different ways, but, um, like like a, a big debate you're after saying about Tom Morrissey there. Um, and every time uh you do a review of the the month's championship, whatever, uh, you meet people after the match. I said just I wouldn't have taken Tom Morrissey off, but like I they're not taking him off because he's bad. I think they're just itching to get, um. Colin O'Neill on, or somebody like that, and I think it's just an injection of energy. And and they've even that was nearly part of their game plan in 18 19. They probably leave Garoad on a little bit longer than Tom now, but the lads give it their all, they're going back to field, they're working hard. And after 55 60 minutes, they come off and, and they inject a bit of energy down on the end. So, um, yeah, look, um, when 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 all the all stars and all that, um, is talked about, and, and obviously the hurler of the year and the whole lot, but like you would kind of forget who was hurried here in 19 and 18. I know some people are brilliant, but you won't remember, and and this is definitely instilling team, you won't forget the team that done the four in a row and what team done that. And you'll always remember the team that won the All-Ireland and you can go back to... 80, 80, 80, 18, 80, 1980, and then you talk somebody older and they can go back to 73 and look, it's it's the Liam McCarthy Cup and when you lift that and seven having that all-Ireland medal in your pocket and I think the players are in that mindset and look, fair play to them and and we congratulate anyone who does win an All-Star, hurler of the years and all that, but um, they all have them now at this stage and they're ridden too many, I suppose. um, A bit of talking around as well is, is Colin O'Neill legible for Young Huller of the Year and um, coming on like that scoring him two scores and even the years after having he got some massive scores there in the, the Munster final as well uh he's definitely put his name in the pot for that as well and and that's a lovely one to win to start your career so uh look i suppose we wish him all the best to look and we we could argue for them all there's no doubt about it um even David Reedy there exceptional good um last four games he's been on consistently and done himself no harm at all so um look any one of them and we wish him all the best to look
3: yeah, you mentioned Cahill O'Neill and uh, the possible Young Hurler of the Year. I definitely think a case can be made for for O'Neill and in what he brings to this Limerick team, because I think the the energy and the accuracy he brings on from the bench is something to behold. I caught up with himself as well at the uh, Fitzgeralds Woodlands House Hotel uh, the day after the night before.
2: Um, yeah, it's difficult just competition there for every place. Jo um, there's there's young lads coming in every year obviously the lads are there, have been there since 17, 18 16 in some cases so the competition is very good but sure that's only healthy and that's only going to make you a better player um, every day you want to train a pitcher, every day you want into the gym or, and on match day then um, it comes out thanks, uh, thanks, thanks be to God There's
3: probably players over the as who've nearly gone their whole careers without getting over the line against Kilkenny in championship games to, to beat them in, in two All-Ireland finals in, in a row. But yeah, um, as I said we, we looked in trouble there at times yesterday um,
2: you'd be kind of worried yourself but thank God we got over the line kicking um, a fabulous outfit and they always bring that, that hard work and, and, and I suppose, dogging this, that you need to win and uh, you just have to try to outwork them um, and hopefully chances are created and thankfully thankfully we did that yesterday
3: yeah they certainly did that they got over the line by nine points uh, against Kilkenny to land their fourth All-Ireland title in a row the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick making the energy requirements of your home business or farm more affordable visit solarchoices.ie Jim Bob just listening to Cahill O'Neill there it is a tall order for, for a young player to, to break through to a team like this because this Limerick team are unique in the way that a massive cohort of them came through at the same time from under 21 grade and, and would have known each other from academy level the whole way up so for, for a 21 year old he is now obviously 19 when he was breaking into the team it's difficult but he's taken it on his shoulders he's taken all the hype about him as well and the talk that Cahill O'Neill is going to be the next big thing and He's been able to to deal with I'm Sure, Caroline Curd has had a big role in that as well, and Paul Kinnear and John Cully as well. But like, hats off to him.
0: Yeah, I suppose they're like, yeah, you have to give the the psychology of the team a bit of credit here. Like, any time you see him coming on at the end of the match, all the established lads are was over and they're delighted for him. And you'd see him kind of hugging and have a little chat and pointing the finger at him, probably saying, "I told you we'd go left there," but they seem to be having a little bit of a laugh at him. But like. Even a kind of a, a stupid little thing that started in twenty seventeen, um, was every training session, the end of every training session, and um it's just about kind of building rapport or, or connections, or whatever. And it might sound so simple, but everybody used to kinda of high five each other and you 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 had to go around high fiving each other after And You see the soccer players doing it there the whole time, they're the high five and everyone this, that and the other thing. But after every train you used to just go around high five and it it kinda of just build built rapport like kind of connections without talking, without anything and it's gone to a way different level apart from that. But winning does that now as well as much as all the work they do and, and maybe in, in-house and in meetings and things like that but um, like the other thing as you said about Carl O'Neill trying to break onto the team like that's what builds the standard like do you know that how many times over the years had we a young lad there um, and he, he was coming off the Miners and they just couldn't like they nearly the pressure was on the manager to get him on get him on he's just out of mind oh this he's going to be our answer he's going to be our answer um, like again look I know we're, we're comparing out it there it's nearly the thing of the week but um, like Michael Welch even said it here last week in the pod that uh, Richie Hogan and TJ Reid and like say what you like about um this team and that team are hurlers over the years like TJ Reid and Richie Hogan are up there as one of the greatest hurlers of all time their skill levels immense all in their prime and they couldn't get onto that Kilkenny team and all all it was was building standards that like Colin O'Neill has to improve to get on that team next year and like if he can go on and achieve and be as competitive as TJ Reid and Richie Hogan were, and if that means that he still has to get better and better and to improve and work harder like Aaron Glenn probably did in mentality wise to go on for whole the year but look what you're creating not you're just creating a monster that can't be fed the whole time and um that, like that's what's being created and, and I think it's been encouraged and also there's just like they're going away in a team holiday there now and they're like there's nothing like it and it went out of the game definitely for a part there when I was playing anyway and I, I know a lot of people have felt the same like say what you like but a team bonding thing like just um going away doing something outside of hurling for a day. And I know the team at the moment are very good at I think even club teams are starting to do this more and more. Going away, our own team at home there lately, I i, I was talking to a few lads, they went to a paintball and they had a couple of drinks after. Because like, it's an amazing thing. Like a club even like a club you mightn't just say I went back playing now and I'm nearly an OIP compared to some of them at this stage and they're going out and on a Saturday night 19 year olds and I'm trying to put a child to sleep and we're living two completely different lives but a club at least you know where they live or you know their father or you know this and that to certainly at Intercounty um, you have the same kind of age demographics going on look at maybe um, Graham Mulcahy's life compared to Carl O'Neill he's still a student at the moment Graham Mulcahy's got kids and he's working for the last couple of years though. so you need things like this because apart from coming and you're in a rush to get home and you're trying to do this and that you don't know what's going on in their lives or anything and maybe you don't need to know what's going on in their lives but you need to meet and have a connection outside of sport to play for each other on the field as well so all these team holidays and all that, that's why winning can help obviously winning builds a great character everyone's delighted with each other when you win as well that there's no falling out, then you're going on a team holiday and you're uh, getting great bonding there and that and it kind of nearly organically happens but uh, look, that's that's the whole reason why Carl O'Neill and anyone is, is welcomed into the panel, no problem at all and um, look I just think it's a great time to be called into the panel you nearly like Colin O'Neill or any of these fellas when they were coming on Donegal um, Dahlig uh, and whoever else is there Matt Quinlan and Jimmy Quilty they nearly knew like like way more and even Depp is, we have a chance of winning an All-Ireland medal here or Trent and All-Ireland winning team and things like, and, like that pushes you on as well
3: yeah, it definitely does, and I think we saw the likes of of Donnachadh in the in the league doing a, doing a great job after winning the the Intermediate Club Championship uh, with his club. Adam English obviously had a had a great cameo coming in on as a uh, blood sub, scoring a points, but I think that was the game against Cork. Shane O'Brien as well was 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 playing a bit during the league. You have Aidan McCarthy as well, another really talented young player, and and Fergal O'Connor. Uh, on the defensive side of things as well, looks looks really solid. So you need these type of players coming through in the season to come, in the next couple of seasons to come, don't you? Because, like, they talk about it so much, the panel, but you do want these exciting young prospects coming through as well because you're talking about generational players on the field and the starting 15, but you do maybe need that fire up you as well that, Hollanders oh the likes of a Colin O'Neill coming off the bench here or an Adam English who... They have a particular set of skills, as uh, what's his name, Liam Neeson says.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Look, look. There, there's a lot to be said here. And um, one is, it's very interesting the Dublin team that Jim Gavin won the six in a row with. Uh, he'd have made a couple of changes from like year one, year two. He kind of subtle changes, one or two be changed. It has to be said, most of the Limerick team. But like if you it there's a few chance, but it's still the backbone. Like like even if you add Sean Finn and Declan Helen back into that team, wherever they go, I don't know. But like uh, despite the team and a lot of the wings are, are the same as back in 2018. And look, it, unfortunately, <laughs> it doesn't last forever. Do you know, it, it's it's like this generation of players will end. And I suppose this it's amazing. They're a bit like a club team. Like you ever see a. Uh, definitely a team out, out in the country anyway where uh, they go on and win a senior title or intermediate title it's a group of players together and obviously there's a few old lads a few young lads but it's n- nearly a core team and th- this is what this Limerick team are they they nearly all came within a year or two of each other and won the minors 21s and all that kind of stuff from getting into minor semi-finals and whatever so um, yeah but like on top of that then as you say look at the players that are coming on and look at the like they, they actually have a tall order you'd nearly like, you'd nearly be, I'd nearly be saying to myself, thank God I'm at the other end of it, Like, 'cause because look where where you have to get to and look where you have to prove to match this. Like, the team that's coming after <laughs> would want to be at a good level or they could be getting a bit of stick, you know, like, how can you, what can you do to better this? You can only nearly match it. Or what can you do? So, um, but look, the young lads in there, very talented players. Um, It's been well documented. All these players came out of the academy. The academy is still there and are trying to get better the whole time. There's clothes putting in the work. So, um look, surely this will inspire another generation. If it don't, forget about what else could we do. Like, you know, so um, players will come, but um, like going back to Rich Hogan and T.J. like I remember that talk back in 2009, uh, T.J. Reid came on against Waterford where they just onslaughted them like way, like it wasn't 62 minutes and did they went on. They, they had nearly done at half time. And T.J. came on, I don't know to get five or six points in play, and we were saying, like the whole country was saying, Like, they have this team and then they have Richie Hogan and TJ Reid to come on. But look, we see there, what is it, like, I know I'm going 14 years on. Like, we never even, like, I don't think anyone could ever say that they were going to see a team like Kilkenny again as quick anyway, to be so dominant. And, uh, like, even, look, looking forward as well, and you're saying about the young lads coming on, like, every... County, we can name four or five good hurlers who saw the Cork under twenties this year winning the All Ireland title. Limerick weren't a million miles off them, but Cork were coming strong. Tip had a strong team in it. Awfully even teams like Offaly, have team had players coming, this good minor team can they bring that team forward? So, um, every county is trying to catch up, and and then when they catch up, they want to get ahead. But uh, no look, the future is bright for an awful lot of them players. Um, I like not belittling any of the forwards we ever had before and and the game is constantly going to be moving I think Don O'Cusack says it very well is the best hurler to ever play the game isn't born yet the game is constantly but like like the skill levels of, of Adam English and Shane O'Brien and these lads and, and their ability. Again, we're on about range of scores and where they can score. These boys can just go in and, and it's been well-documented, all the national pundits say it, they, they can just fit into the system because their skill levels are so high and I think the most important thing is their hurling IQ is so high um, and given such a young age. Um, And it was just great. Look, we even said it in the last part as well, like to bring... Kilian Buckley and Paul Welsh came on, and Wad Stallworth the war with Kilkenny and, and all that. But just to bring O'Neill on and just that, that exuberance and youth and that, want to get on the ball and the whole lot. You it, it, even that's brilliant to see. Like the future is on, and look how it's good, it's playing. And Adam English the same. There was it the, uh, was it the Munster final? Came on against Clare or whatever game. I he, think
3: it would. It was the, I was thinking it was Cork. I think it was actually the Munster final. Yeah, and yeah.
0: yeah. And he came on, and uh, it could have been the Cork game though. But he said that, but just came on, and he was outstanding there for, for the dim few minutes so um, yeah look it's um, it's a bright future but uh, at the present day doing four in a row as Dan Morris put it brilliantly there if the players are saying it's, if they have to pinch themselves you can imagine what the supporters are doing because I don't think anybody saw this coming a couple of years ago
3: it definitely didn't. Well, here's a man who you soldiered with, um, Jim Bob Donal O'Grady, who's been speaking after the the All Ireland final win. Obviously, a selector in with Limerick now, and he's been talking about the the dynamic uh, of the backroom team and how everything runs so smoothly.
1: It's very organised. In fairness, it's such a it's so streamlined. You know, it's it's amazing. Like from John down to Caroline to logistics, it's it's a serious operation. Like, him. we all know our roles and. You know, it's very structured. We know our what, what's going on a month ahead, uh, obviously, providing we keep on winning games, you know. So, um, <clears throat> it is, and it, like, we're there. Like, you're dealing with an, a, an amazing bunch of men, like, that, that we're just trying to want to get the best out of the whole time. So, we're constantly pushing them. And in fairness them, they push themselves and really drive it as well. So, that does make life, I suppose, that bit easier for us. Um, like, the biggest problem we had coming up to the land final, speaking to the team, genuinely, the the, the squad is... The five guys that come on there, like even getting Aaron Costello on there for a minute, that's a reward for the way he's been pushing there, like for the last couple of months. And in fact, like you know, Richie goes, Aaron comes in, you know, keeps the thing going, but that's the way it's just been. And um, there's lads that even didn't make the, the, the 26 like young players that are, I'm so excited about in the next couple of years. You know, they're, they are there and they're learning every Tuesday and Friday night inside and training, you know, and um, they're coming as well. So, look, please God, uh, a few of them can break into it as well.
3: Yeah, Dodge talking about the the players to come. I was doing um, Adam English out of an even more crucial point because it was in the Munster final, Jim Bob. Uh, He came on as a blood soap, I think, hit a point and came straight back off and then back on again after that. But uh, like Dodge was saying there, they are coming. Uh, There is talent uh, there at Limerick's disposal Uh, other than having the the generational players on the pitch that they have at the moment. And I suppose that's it. I mean, some of the analysis I saw around why did Limerick get over the line against Kilkenny and why are we saying the same thing every year? Why are we saying that, oh, this team could be closer to Limerick now, they could come under a bit of pressure, and then it's nearly the same result at the end of the season. We thought that, not that that they, they mightn't be, but we thought this Kilkenny team were a bit better this year You come away with a nine-point victory after a nine-point victory in an All-Ireland semi-final. But I suppose some of the analysis was just, they're that good. They're that much better than teams at the moment. And you do have this golden generation. You have what a lot of people call the perfect backroom team. Obviously, we heard from Dodge there. There's plenty more behind the scenes. Uh, Paul Kanarka, generational coach, probably one of the best hurling coaches if not the best hurling coach of of all time in Caroline Currid as well um with the with the psychological stuff and and John Kylie to to put it all together you add to that uh, a great sponsor as well in, in JP McManus and uh, a great county board as well so it's it's is it just the perfect storm at the moment
0: well when you're winning it it'd come across that way um, 100% but it it definitely is and again winning makes the whole thing more streamlined and everyone knows their job as well and, and gets into place but like um, we said there a while ago about the game plan Um, like it takes like to improve players IQ and this is probably nearly the new talk that's only around in the last maybe like we used to say the old school talk used to be a great hurling brand that fella but like all it was was he was reading the game or reading the the play a lot quicker than everyone and when he had the ball he was able to see a pass now we've 15 of him out in the field so now like it, it's multiplied it's nearly um like if your goalie is that good in the puck out so even take the puck out straight away like how good Nicky is with that ball in his hand in dead positions and even to go down and to kill the clock and all this kind of talk to kill their purple patch if that like just the experience of him in goal, um, he's, how comfortable he how comfortably is around the square. Any high ball coming in, you know, he's going to deal with it. But not only he's going to deal with it, he's going to straight away put a, put a Limerick on a counter attack. Um, look, strength and condition has to be, um, one of the big talking points as well. Um, like I I just know personally when I was there when the likes of Keane and a few of them came in, Tomarcy and all them, like they they were nearly as as conditioned as a lot of the players we were on the team and I think that's why the likes of like uh Colin O'Neill and Adam English and Colin Cochran, these lads are unbelievably conditioned. But they only probably know what they're doing it since they're under fourteen. So they might only have eight years of conditioning done. So they're still ten years behind a few of the lads in the team. So like when they were coming on as young lads I don't think it was done as much in in intercounty setup. So Keane and Aldi had an but now they're at it every day. But so you're at it every day at fourteen, but now you're still only a week, eighteen year old. If they have ten years conditioning done as well, um, like people are making a lot of comparisons. Like, look at Tom Phelan the other day. I thought he was only nineteen, twenty years. Old. I couldn't get over they were saying he's twenty seven or he's twenty six, seven or eight. There's a couple of age going on, but he's he's well over twenty five. Like. He only had the physique of a of a of a young lad coming on. That's why we thought he did a great game and fair play to him. He he played well. But um, when you're comparing him to Martin coming for the Ron Larkin or that old team, they're, they're like whether they were doing the strength and condition, which I think they were, but they were a big physical team. You go back even to 1973, they were a big physical team. You look at any team that won in All-Ireland since then, the Cork team of the Noughties, Kilkenny team of the Tipperary, we went up in 2009 and got absolutely hockeyed off the field against um, Tipperary in nine. And uh, yeah, they, they, they were a skillful team, whatever. But we got absolutely annihilated. And I can say it, and I know I'm right here, because I was one of the lads they just killed us in strength and conditioning. They were so much more powerful than us. And again then, to give Paul Canuck the credit, they were better coached, they knew their system of play, they had a game plan in place, uh, their, their, their connections around the field, their communications, their hand signals, all that thing. And look how far advanced Limerick have gone in that. But look, um, as you say, uh, Sean O'Donnell and his stats team are known around the country um, some of the stuff to do was outstanding um, John Kiley man, managing the whole thing Caroline Corrid obviously keeping everyone like how grounded even Colin O'Neill was there giving you that um, I, I was kind of saying that to myself like he sounded like an experienced old fella there, an old selector there, giving you an old spiel there. The man was after winning all earned. There wasn't even like his emotions were nearly hidden away there. Like you'd think he'd be gone kinda of half book eight, but um so like they're all being trained there on a psych- psychological view as well. Um and look the training the training they do, like every single training they do. They're improving their IQ, their decision-making, their skill levels. There's always somebody marking them. Um, They're always under review and always being analysed by um, management selectors looking at them. Look at the competitiveness within the squad. Um, So, yeah, look at it. And again, look at the players you have then as well. Um, Like even to talk about strength and conditioning. Uh, Kilkenny looked out on their feet and any team when we watch hurling football whatever sport it is, any team that are on top the other team look out on their feet or they look at oh, their own feet and all that but um, like the game like I can imagine they are like 60 minutes into an All-Ireland final you're going to be a little bit gassed out um, I, I don't know do the listeners remember Kyle Hayes went on a run and Nicky tried to pick him out now he ended up getting it but he didn't get it in full stride it ended up kind of being just about there was a flick across and Kyle still ended up getting it but they ended up getting back but they were on their last legs the athleticism of this man and we nearly use him as the demographic for the whole Limerick team the athleticism of that man he like his ability and I don't think I actually don't think I've seen seen it outside of professional sports his ability to be wing back to run up the field and get a puck out from Nicky if this is the, the point I'm on about get the ball and then run up to the 21 put over the bar and then within the next passage of play within 10-15 seconds he could be back cornerback like, he's going up and down Crowe Park there. And, like, I had a couple of cars one time they wouldn't be able to do with the, the, the mileage he's putting up there around Crowe Park. So, um, and he's just, uh, and they're all like that. They all have that physique, athleticism. And, like, I was listening to a, another podcast, Not Competing With Us, a different sport there lately. And, like, every coach in the world and every manager will say sport is 90% mental. mental, 90% mental. And we're always talking about how strong-looking and how their physique and how fit they are. And, like, Caroline Corrid, what does she do, this and that. How many dress rooms around Limerick will you go into, whether it be blowing Crears Cross, whether it be rugby, hurling football, you go in and you ask your players, how much um, mental preparation did you do this week for the match? How much psychology... And how many of them would even put up their hand, but yet we say it's 90% mental. So we have somebody in there working on their minds the whole time. I was on about their body language. At the moment, Limerick have gone so good when they have positive body language from for us uh, optically looking in. Um back in 2018 where they were chest out straight out, now they have the head down, but they didn't got the goal, but still their mind is positive thinking of the game, plan thinking. It's very, very hard to compete. Like, you know, when somebody says chew, oh day, they nearly have four points on you before you even start the match. That means that the psychology they have within their squad and the belief and all that so like Limerick it, uh, I remember looking down the field a few times and you just knew that black and amber jersey because they were the team winning you, you, you're going to have to earn it today and imagine what teams are thinking playing Limerick right now so it's, it's both mental, physical uh, it's both optically with video analysis it's just they've got every angle covered now every team it has to be say, look, every team, they were looking to get out of the Munster Championship. If you want to review the year and the whole lot. Cork could have beaten them that day, and whatever way the permutations are, they could have lost the water for the first day. They were looking to get out of Munster. So it's not just Limerick and this perfect storm. We could be having a totally different conversation next year because every team is getting, the they're, they're starting to know. So we need a psychologist. We need to get our video analysis better. We need to get a better manager, whatever it is. So teams are playing catch up the whole time, and that's just normal. We'd be trying to do the same if we were the ones trying to chase. But at at the moment, they're trying to to chase, but they they just can't catch him yet.
3: Yeah they can't and it was uh, funny to hear Davy Fitz talking about uh, Limerick's camera being up in the press area of Croke Park saying that if Waterford gets there he's going to be looking at that as well because obviously it's the, the best view so the stats team and Sean O'Donnell and all the lads, we have to give the kudos to them but they've been rumbled uh, we're often the ones pressing on the camera for them are or, or leaving it right in front of us and uh, you mentioned the the, the strength and condition in there, Carborough, Carillon over the last couple of years has been outstanding as well since, since Mike Kylie made his way into the, into the rugby world. But uh, what's next then, Jim Bob? Obviously, uh, the club championship is coming up after that. It's going to be all talk again about the league. It, well, we were the Manchester City of the Hurling World this year with the treble, weren't we? The National League, the Munster Championship and the and the All-Ireland. But, like, if you're other counties, what are you doing? Are, are you that bit confused as to how to tackle this Limerick team. I know Munster's going to be a bear pit again because it always is, but it is hard to to see teams coming up with the goods to, to stop Limerick maybe over the next couple of years. Maybe that's recency bias now after the All-Ireland final win. I know that there was times where it looked tough this season, but just the age demographic and the trajectory and the way they finished the season, it nearly feels like they were navigating Munster at maybe 70-80% and gearing up for an All-Ireland Final second half performance. It looks like it's that that teased out by this Limerick team.
0: Yeah, very quick review of the year is uh, like Limerick made a lot of subs in the in the league this year. They made seven or eight in most of the games, So that would give you the intention that I don't know did they go full out, we're going to win the league this year or we want to win the league and like you said a while ago, there's no team not taking the league serious, but they could be trying to find players or they could be doing different training regimes and all that. We've spoke about that. But like, there's this narrative that, oh, Limerick weren't going that well this year. Like, I I don't know to come out of one of the players or to one of the sports say, jeez, for a team, they weren't going going bad all year. It's not bad winning every cup you can win. Like, so, like, where is this, like, like are we comparing not going that well from other years? Like, maybe that's true, but they were going fine <laughs> after winning. So, like the one thing I would say is they, they did hit a dip there's no point saying any different and that's not taking away discrediting Waterford's performance and Inclaire's performance but they hit a dip where I didn't see it in a while and the reason I'm saying they hit a dip is in unforced errors Um, a lot of them just a pass or a, their concentration levels weren't as crisp as they were but like I'm comparing that to five years I'm talking five straight years and then they, they hit a dip where um, especially in championship now, it has to be said, where um just the odd ball or the odd pass, and again like that's like we have to remember, no matter how good these players are, they're human. They're like the mind. We keep talking about the mind. You're going to be tired, or things could be happening in your life. These things happen. But um, like I suppose the most frustrating thing from a management and and team point of view, players point of view, is when they were getting these unforced errors, and when they were starting to click better in the championship, um. They weren't getting the credit for improving. It was nearly, oh, they're going to be cut. So, look, I think they're going to be well used to that. But I'm no expert in what it's going to be like as a player going for five in a row. Like, the the, the pressure that's going to be on. But, we're, like, the talk is out already. The drive for five and this and that. And they're, they're going to have to deal with that. So, it's going to be a, an even more important year for Carolyn Currid and, and the management team maybe to hold their heads. Because uh, the only time I've ever in my life seen that Kilkenny team, the Brian Cody team, being overhyped. It was that five in a row. I was above in Nolan park the last training session. I think it was, tw- um, I don't know, 12 days, nine days before the All-Ireland final. Um, now they were missing Brian Hogan and Shefflin had to come off. He had the cruci and all that. Missing their the back and Center forward. Limerick will face adversity. Uh, John Kylie said a good speech that they were missing um, players last year that they deal with COVID, that they deal with Declan Henan and Sean Finn out this year. So uh, you couldn't even predict what's going to happen but there will be adversity. Every team has it. But um Kilkenny got overhyped. I'm not taking anything from Tipperary, beating them in twenty ten. They nearly beat them in two thousand nine. They were fairly even teams as best it was, but they just got overhyped. Again, uh Limerick are clever, they don't do this big open night and let everybody in this open training session used to be done before. They kind of just kill all that hype because um it's better to be lifting the cup now than having a big open night a week, for that's the mentality towards it. But um it's gonna be hard. We like John Kylie said a speech and we said it a few times in the pod this year you can't get away from the papers or your phone we all have one um, it's going to be very hard for players walking down the street or the village like how many times has it been said to them this week alone um, I was watching a video of a few of them going around with the cup there and uh, there was a fellow just behind them and I just heard him roaring Drive for five and they were all the management to there, so you can't get away from this. So I suppose the first thing that'll be said when the club championship's over and they meet is how are we gonna deal with this? Because look, I suppose it's just gonna come down to goal setting. They're gonna they're gonna give it a professional thing that, um, that's our long term goal, but what are our short term goals here? What are our one percents? How do we get to the first short term goal? And it'll just be a process the whole way, but it's just going to be another layer to deal with. It's going to be very interesting. Um, I suppose that's why we like sport. What's the adversity? What are they going to have to face? Um, can, they face can they face anything worse than missing, like, uh, could could I nearly say, two of our, like two unbelievable backs. Not We won't discredit anyone. Two of our best backs, unbelievable backs, right? And then two of our unbelievable forwards last year, Keen Lynch and Peter Casey, does a big arm and two was better the other day. Um, like, can they face anything harder than that next year? I don't know. So um, I think it's just up to other teams to 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 catch up. Um, Like if you take the All-Ireland Final for an example, the only comparison I can make in my own playing career towards it is like 62 minutes gone and there was two pints in it right in and around and you will say that dubious 65 Kilkenny should have got will say back to a pint. I remember playing in 2012 and we were a team coming out of nowhere like we didn't have anything in tip or Obviously, after winning the All Ireland 2010, the All Ireland Contenders. And we just went out and played them the first round of the championship and expecting, not expecting much now, just kind of nearly hoping to put it up to them and all that. Next thing we realised, we were in the game all the way up to 60 minutes. It was nearly the start of us maybe getting a couple of wins we hadn't won in years and championship and all that. But like, we actually ended up meeting them in the first round the championship the following year. And like, you'd say, oh, you only have to find 10 minutes, but there's a lot of. Training, a lot of psychology, a lot of team meetings, a lot of things going well. A lot of things have to go your way to get that 10 minutes. But well, it is possible, but it's not just finding eight minutes. It's it, it takes an awful lot of training to find that eight, 10 minutes where you can compete with Limerick now for the 70. But a lot of teams caught up this year in massive gains. Um, a lot of teams like. I suppose Cork could be like Limerick have been known to give Cork a fair few trimmings now in the last couple of years um, you have to be impressed Cork beat him in the league right? I didn't think much of it actually to be honest because Limerick kind of took off the best players whatever um, now they've done well to beat them, because that was a big psychology thing for them but they came down to the Gaelic rounds that day and they matched them scoring wise they matched them intensity wise um, they, they they upped their physicality so look Cork are definitely a team coming out of the pack and, and there's a few more but um I don't think Limerick can face any more adversity that can be worse than what they've faced already. So, look, it's just going to be unbelievably interesting and the drive for five is going to be the talk and they're going to have to deal with it.
3: Yeah, the hype train starts here, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, there's going to be no getting away from the the drive from five. They've had the 45-year wait ended, then to lose and come back and win again in 2020 in the COVID All-Ireland. Then it was, could they do back-to-back? Then it was, could they do three in a row? Then it was, could they do four in a row? So these are going to keep coming at them, but... As Jim Bob said, they're they're, they're well set up to deal with that. Uh, We'll be hoping to bring another All-Ireland title back to Limerick in a few weeks with our ladies footballers. Uh, They're in junior championship final action against, against Down. That's on Sunday the 13th of August at Croke Park so we're looking forward to that one and early throw in 11.30 but we'll have live commentary of it and uh, we're hoping to have more silverware coming to Shannon's side Uh, Jim Bob just very quickly before we go obviously we can't uh, leave the podcast without talking about the the All-Ireland football final that's taking place on Sunday Kerry looking to, to retain Sam Dublin looking to get back on their perch after a few down years after the six in a row so many comparisons between this Limerick and and Dublin side but uh would you give Kerry the the edge with David Clifford or what way are you looking at it
0: ah this look there's a very very hard one to answer um i I actually think there's more comparisons to the to the Kerry team even though they haven't won as much with with the Limerick team because they both um are coming off a lot of under success um how many counties have we seen finding it hard to get that? Uh, barrier between underage and getting them through to senior. So I think this Kerry team are actually very like uh, the Limerick team. Maybe they're, they're at the start of their journey in terms of what they what they could go and achieve. But just the fact that, that Dublin have a lot of players back this year, um, I think it's going to look. To be honest, I, if I was a betting man, I'd be back in the draw and I think Kerry could beat him. I, I, I know a lot of people are saying Dublin and I can totally see that. I, I just think... Um, I just think Kerry are, are on an upward curve, um. If they're obviously their game plan goes and get enough ball into Clifford, if Paddy Clifford himself clicks, um, a lot of teams have contained Paddy Clifford as well out around playing as that third midfielder, and uh, I think he he might. It, it's you can't. Dublin will be so focused on watching a lot. I think Paddy Clifford could come to fruition now. Um, people are saying that Kerry's midfield aren't as strong as Dublin's, and maybe Dublin, obviously with Brian Finton there, but. Uh, now, I'm giving Kerry the nod. I think it, it. I obviously, I think it's going down the wire. I think it's going to be a great game of football. Uh, Kerry and Dublin. always played out, but I'm a. I'm a draw at full time, and Kerry to win. I think it could be a replay. Actually, would it? Yeah. so um, Kerry to win the replay and instead of extra time same kind
3: of thing yeah they're the only games that can go to replays now I think under the new format aren't they the All-Ireland Finals the rest are uh, finish on the day jobs we're yet to see a, an All-Ireland Final replay since that came in though um, who's winning the Daily Cup this season then Jim Bob a nice handy one to to end with uh, a watering fixture to to open the the Senior Championship on Friday week Patrick's Well taking on the Piercing that's going to be something else but are you looking at those two
0: uh, yeah, I've been covering cracks here all year. You ask me questions and, and I deflect in the whole time. And then you come <laughs> on at the last episode with a lot of questions. Um, look, you, look. I'm again, I'm stating the obvious, I'm being maybe, but it's going to be hard to beat in a Um Sheik. The. They have a lot of players. It's just, it just comes down to players. Um, I think Shane Dowland's stepping into goals this year from as well. Is he coming up from the intermediates? Like So um, he won't be any weak link in there either. Um, he's got an unbelievable puck out obviously great hands inside there. Um... But again, as you say, like Patrick's well, we obviously know they've some class club players, but you, you put Keen Lynch, Aaron Gillan and Darren Burns into any county team, put them into the Afflee and have a chance of winning the Leinster Championship but if, if they if they hit flow. So um yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. Um Kimalik obviously been the team knocking on the door the last two years. But uh look if 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 everything goes their way and um, they get their set up right and that it's going to be very hard to beat and appear to just have a, a, a power of players again we're on about a generation of players so uh yeah, Napeersheek, but um, a lot of teams, like obviously doomed in missing Rich English is a massive, even though they still have a very competitive team, they're going to be very good. He's just a massive loss for him. And obviously, a dare down in, in senior B and missing Declan Hannan. So there's a few big losses there um, in the senior A and senior B championships as well. But uh, look, you'd have to give Napeersheek uh, the nod. I don't think I'm coming out with anything too um, dramatic there, to be honest.
3: Yeah, I think Nipirshig favourites going into the season anyway, the Defending Champions, the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements of your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. And Tom Magner has really looked after us uh, this year, Jim Bob, and we do thank him uh, for keeping us in a job and uh, a real great supporter of, of Limerick hurling as well, behind the scenes and now sponsoring this podcast.
0: Yeah, and I suppose Solar Choices, Think Green, Think Limerick, and uh, yeah, look, massive thanks to to Tom and his company. Um, um, I've really enjoyed the pod all year. I hope, I hope people did. We got a few good reviews, and uh, look, as I said, I, I was a little bit worried there. Um, in the middle of us chapter, going to say that we get rid of that podcast is a bad omen or anything like that. So um, no, look, big thanks to Tom and and Solar Choices. Um, and and a big thanks to all our listeners as well throughout the year. To be fair, um. And I suppose I have to thank one or two of my friends that gave me a bit of advice as well and that they were all the things I was right about all the year as well. So, uh, no, look, thanks for all the listeners. I think it's grown and um, and um, it's been enjoyable all year, to be fair.
3: Yeah, it definitely has. And we made it to the very final episode. We were coming into that game against Cork and uh, we didn't know where the future lied for Limerick. But could you ever doubt them? They came through that game into a Munster final after that Waterford-Tipperary result and... Uh, Won that, and the rest is history. Beat Galway, beat Kilkenny, we've beat them all, and uh, on the route to the four in a row. Here's to the drive to five next season, and we'll be back with the sideline cut. Thanks so much for tuning in to all our listeners. We'll talk to you again.
0: The sideline cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick,
1: making the energy requirements for your home, business, or farm more affordable. Visit SolarChoices.ie.